I'm a doctor, a father, an American, an Indian. I've had conversations about life from every angle, and as I've navigated the South Asian experience, I share stories of people and their purpose. And what they're saying over and over again is, trust me, I know what I'm doing. I'm Abhay Dandekar, and on this episode of Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing, I'm joined by content creator, comedian, and author, Jyoti Chand. Stay tuned. You know what? It feels good to express yourself. Actually, I take that back. It feels great, especially when that expression is heartfelt, authentic, and hopefully compelling. And speaking of compelling, thanks again for listening to the show, subscribing to the podcast, adding your reviews, sharing it with a friend, and following us on social media at Dr. Abhaydarnika. So to be honest, for me, this entire Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing show and podcast experience has been a true joy that was born from a combination of timing, the opportunity to do something I love, and the lure of expression in a space where anything is possible. And this is likely what drew me to Jyoti Chand, a writer, comedian, and content creator. She's also known as Mama Jotes, your cool mom friend on social media. And like me, she's the spouse of a doctor and a Los Angeles native who's now been transplanted, in her case to Chicago. Jyoti's foray into online content creation has some roots in her experience as a stand-up comedian, and her viral reels, posts, and stories share her journey of self-care, maternal mental health and hygiene, and her own take on the South Asian American experience. She's the executive editor of Chai Girls, which serves as a daily dose of inspiration for a sisterhood of South Asian women. Jyoti's also working on her first book with HarperCollins, drawing from all these experiences and more. So it was really great to share a conversation with her about creating fabulous content from the ordinary and mundane observations of life, about her personal journey of writing and editing a book, and of course, about exploring the metaverse. Have you explored the metaverse yet? Is it is there a Mama Jotes out there on the metaverse? Yeah, so I'm exploring the metaverse. Um, currently, I work out Supernatural. Okay. In the metaverse, I work out there every day and I love it. I feel like it really like boosted my mood this winter to have the opportunity to leave my house without leaving my house. And I found that to be so fascinating because we dreamt of this virtual reality experience pretty much our entire youth, right? Like how many times did we talk about, oh, one day we're going to be able to just like go to Bali from our house. And it's like, now I'm like, so amazed by technology. Um, sometimes I'll play games on there. There's just really fun. I'm really into puzzles. Yeah. Like, are you a Wordle person too? Wordle, Wordle. Yeah. yeah. I gotta do my my family group is going off right now with like Wordles, and we're all like always sharing our like little achievements. Yeah. So I haven't done mine this morning quite yet. Yeah. But um, yeah. So there's like games on there that like there's this one game where I'm like in it's called room or something. And like, yeah. you're trying to solve this like puzzle with this Pharaoh that died in the Egypt times, but you're there and you're yeah. like touching things. And <laughs> it's, it's so cool to be like, I'm in my bed, but like, I'm not, it's a okay. nice, escape. but the sun, the sunshine and the water, I can stand in front of the heater and pretend. Well, I mean, you know, in that way is the metaverse really for you? Like even in, in the creative sense, is that where it's happening next? like if i'm being 100 percent honest i still fully don't even understand what an nft is and but i'm still catching up to bitcoin right now right right like i'm like wait what's that i don't I, i'm just gonna go with it i'm a big go with the flow kind of person like when tiktok came out i was like cool 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 let's do this like yeah. 
it's very, I'll figure it out when I get there. Yeah. You're not worried about the plan. You're, you're going to move in and and flow with the water. Yeah. Kind of like clubhouse when it was out for like a month and people cared about it. (laughs) Do you remember all your videos? Mostly. Yeah. Yeah. What's uh what's one that maybe didn't make it, but you kind of wanted it to, you know? Oh my gosh. I know exactly which one too. So there's this one video where like, I thought it was the funniest thing I've ever created. And it got like no love on the internet. And I still think it's hilarious. Also watch it. But, um, this blinking feature came up on TikTok like a filter and it looks like, you know, you're like, it's like POV that you're blinking. Yeah. So what I did is I like put my toddler every day when I'm having a good day. Yeah. And Karina running with, it's like me pretending to be Karina running with a toy and it just like knocks me over the head. And then I'm just like blinking and she's standing in front of my face. It's really me, right? I'm standing yeah. in front of my face and I'm just yeah. like, kind of just like cursing at yeah. my mom. But I thought it was so funny, but I think people thought I was hitting my toddler in it. So I'm not sure. Well, well, and because that can be super fleeting, is it sort of like most times, and it seems like the stuff that's on on your Instagram page or the things that you create that they hit, but the ones that don't hit and they still have maybe a little bit of kind of either sentimental value or you're just like, damn, I killed it. Is it sort of akin to being a comedian and sort of like being up there on stage and having that that one joke that's just amazing and that other story that just no one really got? Yeah, I mean... It doesn't really bother me though, because when I create, I'm not, I'm, I'm not creating for the 135,000 people that, you know, are on the internet. Yeah. I'm specifically creating for like my five people. Like I yeah. have people that I create for. And one of them is my husband. I create for my husband. I create for my brothers. Like I think I'm waiting for their laughs or their criticism. And I create because I want my, I want my parents to see it. Like yeah. my little, and I have like two friends that I bounce stuff off of. So like my little people, and if they like it, that's all that matters. No, all that matters. And you know what? As long as I laugh and then I can go back and be like, ha, 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 ha. that's so funny. Conversely, do you ever get sick of this stuff? That's like, OK, yeah, we did that. that that's great. Or, or is it a continual joy thing? Honestly, I have so much fun creating. Like, it's not that I want to create every day. It's that I have to like not have to because of a job, because there's something inside me that's like, you won't, that won't stop. And it's been going for like decades. And, um, now I just found an outlet for it. Yeah. So, you know, before it was just me, like, (laughs) wouldn't that be funny if, and I'm such a big, like, wouldn't that be funny if kind of person now those scenarios are all reals and I'll literally be mid conversation with somebody and be like, Oh my God, that'd be such a funny video. Yeah. And then, then, and then jot it down and they're like, okay, can I finish my story now? I'm like, yeah, 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 go ahead. Go ahead. Like, it's like a natural part of who I am now, or I guess it's always who I have been, but now I'm actually converting it into a video. Um, so it feels very natural, very fun. Something I look forward to doing. Like, do you see the world maybe around you just differently because everything is potentially that you know moment and and for that matter you know whether it's hey man that would be some that would be a great video or wow i could turn this into something that could be a great video yeah yeah i think that 
everything has humor to it. Even the darkest of things can be find some humor. And I think there's a special personality that it takes to laugh at your own pain. Um, but I think a lot of us comedians have that because we have had experienced a variety of life, um, the the bad, the ugly, and to be able to kind of just be like (laughs) trauma, like even my arguments with my husband are hilarious. Like I can't even take them seriously anymore because I'm laughing because, you know, today there was like a mood shift in my husband and, you know, my girlfriend and I were like comparing because that's what we do. We talk about our husbands Husbands, Um, and it was just so funny because we were like, maybe it's not us who go through cycles. Yeah. Of yeah. Maybe it's them. And it's like all of a sudden we had this epiphany that our husbands go through a whole entire 28 day period cycle in the period of 24 hours. There you go. Yes. It, it is our menstrual uh, day, if you will. <laughs> See, now I'm jotting that down. I'm going to do it a menstrual day. Right. Yeah. Was it funny in some ways or, you know, is it a challenge to take the mundane and really sort of like, you know, let it blossom and and find, uh, you know, the vehicle to be able to do that. Like that, that's the talent, right? You take something that's so ordinary or so ridiculous and, you know, make it hilarious. I think that it's really cool to hear you say that because to me, I don't even see that as talent per se. And I know other people are like, wow, you're so creative. You're so talented. I'm like, this is how my brain functions. Like to me, it's just like, this is the weird kid I've been. And now I'm just a weird kid in a semi-adult body. Yeah. Not really. Still my teenage (laughs) body, to be completely honest. (laughs) Just had a baby. Um, But I just, you know, I think that's amazing that you said that. And so I thank you. You're listening to Trust Me. I know what I'm doing. After a quick break, we'll come back to our conversation with Jyoti Chand. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing. Let's rejoin our conversation with writer and content creator, Jyoti Chand. And and so in in some ways, right, this is who you are. It's who you've always been. You were that kid. You were that teenager. And you're you're perhaps still that that teenage slash adult person. Are, Are these just intersections that you've just discovered that like, okay, hey, here's who I am. Here's how I, this is my outlet now. And before they were just quips and now they're actually you know, shared experiences for people outside of that circle of five. Yeah. You know what it is? It's this um, ability to finally have accept myself for who I am instead of trying to be somebody else. Right. So there was a a big span of life where I was trying to be like American. Right. Then there was a big span of life where I wanted to be like the perfect Indian girl, whatever that meant. There's like a part of life where I wanted to be the perfect wife. Yeah. Right. The perfect mother, all these things. And I realized like, I'm just who I am. And you know what? And then when I started realizing like, maybe it's not just me, Mm. maybe I'm not the only one. Um, Maybe I'm not so alone in this. Like motherhood has been, especially the early years of motherhood was so lonely. No matter how many people around you, it is extremely lonely. And that's when I turned to Instagram and I started sharing here things here and there, nothing very serious, just things in my stories. I couldn't even go on without a filter. I'd go on with that stupid big mouth filter and be like, and people were relating to these like small quips and these small quirks. And I was like, 
maybe I have something here. You know, I did do stand-up comedy in my early twenties. I was like, okay, maybe I have something here with the internet world. Okay. This is maybe where I'm supposed to be. I'm weird. I'm not that professional. And I like it. Like I like who I am. And I think that's what you're seeing is that I finally, you've seen a 33 year old who finally likes who she is and now wants to share that with everyone. So for, for that, the, what has to come across, of course, is that kind of self-esteem and self-confidence. And, you know, is it, is it something that is iterative and building like, you know, Hey, er, er, yes, it's, it was what it was when I first started doing this, but it blossoms and it ebbs and it flows a little bit, but it's still a sort of onward progress. It is. And, you know, somebody one time in my life was like, you've changed. Yeah. And I was like, not about the music anymore. <laughs> you know, like right. that kind of vibe. And I was like, yeah, I've changed. Are you kidding? Like, I've gotten better. Like, I'm, I feel cooler now. Like, I feel like I'm more me than I've ever been. Maybe when I came on here, when you first started following me two years ago, I was a little more like, you know, a little more cautious. Now mm-hmm. I'm just like, balls out. Let's yeah. go. Yeah, totally. Well, and, and does it does it help in that way? Because there's a platform where you're like, look, no one is is judging or I'm not even judging the risk involved of doing something. It's more so the latter, right? Like yeah. I'm not judging the risk involved. People yeah. are judging 100 yeah. percent judging. There's a lot of judgment on this <laughs> platform. <gasps> On everything. And you know what? I use that as fuel to the fire. Like I take that judgment. I take those troll comments. I'm like, let's create some content on that. That's funny. I think that as, as a creator, the first thing I had to do was stop worrying about what anyone thinks. Yeah. Anybody, anybody besides me and my opinion and how I feel putting what my gut feeling is. I mean, it goes, everything goes based on that now. Like I will work with brands and all of that based on gut feelings. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and, and the motivator behind that being your gut feeling, is that tough to, to filter out? I mean, did that take some work oh, to be yeah. able to say, you know, oh my God, the, I, I do get judged. I, I do have these opinions that are, that are set on me and a bunch of eyes on me. Yeah. 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 And um, it was really that, like I would, I was getting like, I get made fun. My nose gets made fun of all the time. And I'm like, everyone's got a weird nose. No one has a nice nose. Like to me, it's like everyone's nose fits their face. That's something that now it's just like <laughs> I expected on every video. You know what I mean? And yeah. then, um, you know, there were some more like pinpointed comments about like my mothering, my anxiety. Oh, like, what do you have to be anxious or depressed about? And like yeah. that kind of stuff. In the beginning, I was like, well, that's kind of painful. That's mean. Yeah. But your skin gets, it's sad to say, but your skin gets thicker in this industry. Like, I was an assistant to a manager in the entertainment industry back when I was 20 years old. I had graduated from college at 20, high school at 16. I was like preemie out of college. I left the party so early. Um, And my skin was so thin back then. Like I couldn't handle like a raised voice. (laughs) Sure. Sure. With that, right. That's a, uh, an industry where very much the, the resilience and the rejection are, are very much real, right? It's not out there that it's a disposable set of trolls who are doing this online. Yeah, no. and, you know, in, in some ways, like even with that, like the, the comments or the rejection in, in some ways, or those barriers that come up, how's it actually made you a better creator? Is it just simply the fuel for your, for your creativity and the, and the motivation that you need? Or is there something more that that's, you know, sort of additive, you know, for you? I would say that, Rejection doesn't, you get used to it. 
Yeah. A little bit. <laughs> Even in the writing world, right? Like you have to like be rejected over and over again in yeah. order to get anything out there. So I don't even focus on it. I'll be completely yeah. honest. There's yeah. 98% of my audience loves what they're seeing. Yeah. There's 2% who are watching to hate me. Yeah. yeah. And that's fine. That's fine with me. You're watching. <laughs> you're watching. Right. Yeah. And you're not, it's not like you're not watching. You keep watching. You're giving me my ratings. Yeah. <laughs> You can't, you, I have no control over who likes me and who doesn't like me. I yeah. have no control over who follows, who unfollows. And honestly, I'm at that point where like, I don't really care. Yeah. You don't yeah. want to be here. Exit politely. Right. You want to be here and you want to throw troll comments, expect to be called out, yeah. you know, and the, for the 98% of you that like, give me so much love, I'm going to focus on you. So much of your work, especially in, is so very Indian American and it's so authentic. It is, do you ever find that there's a, but there's a challenge of, of being limited in, in that way? Or is it just like, again, goes back to that, Hey, here's who I am. This is what I do. Yeah. I think that one of the things I've learned um, along the way is not to overthink anything. Yeah. That there's going to be the right audience for me is there. And I've seen that time and time again. And it's not just a South Asian audience that resonates to some of my stuff. There are like, I have a big like Mexican audience yeah. <laughs> that resonates. Yeah. And maybe that's me, partially me growing up in a community of a lot of Mexican people. My yeah. high school, 96% Mexican yeah. um, and Spanish speaking. So I don't know, maybe there's like quips there. There's people, and I, I truly believe there's people out there who are like my people. Yeah. They're my people. They're going to get me. And yeah, maybe you're not going to relate to every single video I post because it's not like directly going. I mean, there's not a clone of me out there, yeah. but there's things that I think there's enough for everyone to relate to. Yeah. And just as a modern, like second generation, first generation, first generation. Woman. I actually looked this up yesterday. Theoretically, our parents who are immigrants are, are, are the first generation. That's what I thought too. Yeah. yeah. You know, and we are the second generation, okay. you know, whatever. We're, we're just, we know who we are, damn it. Yeah, like I, I came here. I was born here. My parents weren't. That's it. That's all. That's all that needs, right? What is this first generation, second generation? It's like, you know how like when we were growing up and we just called everybody auntie, uncle, and then we had like that one white friend at school that was like, oh yeah, my my great aunt, blah 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 blah. Like it was like this like second removed, third removed kind of right. thing. You're like, like, what is that? Saying. Yeah. You mean your grandma? Yeah, right. Exactly. No, no, it's not my mom's mom. I was like, no, but if, as long as they're, they're older, they're your grandma. You talk and write a lot about being a mom. Yeah. And I wonder if there's some elements, you know, comparing yourself to your own mom or to the experience that our immigrant parents had. We certainly have a lot of advantages in some ways, but I wonder what comparative sort of disadvantages you found. Yeah, no, there's some disadvantages because we don't have that village everyone talks about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that big, like we had a village growing up, yeah. right? My parents both worked. Um, you know, we had my aunt, my my dad's brother, like so my thayaji, my thai, my chacha, my chachi, my umaji, right. everyone all like living within like a small radius of each other. Um, <clears throat> all those older cousins who like babysat right. and I don't know if it's COVID because we've yeah. just been so isolated, but you know, our village is small. Yeah. We have a small village and, and you know, my in-laws are older now and they are like, you know, struggling with their own health conditions and all of that. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, it's not really like this, like, all right, bye, I gotta go work kind of situation. Right. It's very much like we make it work the best we can with just us two as much as we can. Yeah. Um, 
but do I want a village? Absolutely. That's hundred percent why I want to move to Vegas and be near all my family. Like I want to be near my parents and my brothers and us to like rely on each other and have that kind of like open door policy we had growing up where like yeah. everyone had a key. Yeah. Are there other things that you're like, wow, I know my parents had this. I mean, aside from the village, like whether it's the just sort of relatability of of the culture within those folks, or for that matter, is it just like you make your village, you find those, your peeps and, and you figure it out. That's what we're doing now, right? Like yeah. now that we're kind of coming out of this like quarantine shell to yeah. some extent, because we all got it. Yeah. Um, We're making it. We're making our own little like, you know, our own little village, our own circle. And I think that's what our parents did, right? They came to this country knowing what, like five people yeah. and they went to the mother yeah. and then they're like, Oh, this is my new bin, my new buy. Like, yeah. and they just like made it work. And we had this like huge extended family that none of us were related to, but we all thought we were cousins, including my yeah. husband, which is a little yeah. bit. Of a it's like, Whoa. Hey, yeah. Don't go there. You called him our cousin. Yeah. He's not blood related to me. We really went back and we checked. We checked. <laughs> right. You know, I, I don't know an Indian person who didn't have that story because I feel like I'm jumping ship here. But <laughs> that story of like you going to fam auntie's house or somebody auntie's house and their son being super cute. And then you going, are we really real auntie? We cousin? Right. Are we just and you checking? Hundred percent. I think ninety nine percent of people have had that story. If you're, well, if this, you're is, so this is where where we need the sort of like blood test to to DNA ourselves, right? Let me make that a video. Let's just make sure. Up. Let's make sure that the the DNAs are like sort of like separate here, right? I mean, no, you can't go that far back. Hundred percent, we're all related. If you go too far, back. very true. That's very true. We want it limited. Um, yeah, we got to limit to like three generations. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You're listening to Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing. After a quick break, we'll come back to our conversation with Jyoti Chand. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing. Let's rejoin our conversation with writer and content creator Jyoti Chand. And so all these things, right? They're hilarious. They're relatable. I mean, not every, but but definitely so many Indian households kind of have experienced items and, and things. You made that one video that has like definitely Indian items uh, in your house. Are our kids going to in some ways look back and find things that they're going to say that the boy, man, that's just so second generation. Do you find that you even like notice, especially because you have such this observational eye you notice that like, you know, oh man, yes, this is clearly going to be something that our kids are going to laugh at. That's very, very specific to the Indian American or that second generation South Asian experience. I think all the stuff we laugh at because I don't even do it intentionally. Like I don't intentionally have picture frames without pictures. I'm just that much like my parents. Like, yeah. um, you know, the tofu container, it's like, it just seemed like a really good place to put a sponge. And it's just how I grew up. And I was like, how long have I been there? And it's almost like this unintentional repeating of what we've learned growing up. And I think that when, you know, Krish goes off to his own apartment and he pops a tofu container onto the thing or has a, you know, a dubba uh, container in the shower, yep. uh, he's going to laugh because he'd be like, oh, it's so mom, mom, yeah. that mom would find that so funny. And I right. hope that, I hope they laugh. I hope they laugh at all the little mundane, weird yeah. things about life because that's who I want to raise them to be. Tell, tell us a little bit about your upcoming book. 
what's uh what's the story how did it how did it uh, come about and 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 how's it going <laughs> I'll give you what I can um, yeah. just because it hasn't had that like official like publisher weekly like blurb yet. You know what I mean? So it's a YA graphic novel with the South Asian main character it touches upon a lot of mental health. Um, I am so funny on the Internet, but I'm so dramatic in my writing. You guys, it's not what you expect. <laughs> So it's a surprise, right? Yeah, it's going to be a little bit. I think it's going to be a little bit shocking for my audience to open a book of mine and feel more like like they want to cry than they want to laugh. And I do write. I always wrote about like really like deep, dark, difficult things, because I think that there just needs to be a place for people to relate to, especially our youth today with the brown face on it. And I feel there's just even though there's a lot up and coming, there just still isn't enough. I started writing this specific book. I've written so many things. I'm telling you, my computer is full of stuff. Just stuff. You know, yeah. stuff I'll just send to my uh, my agent and be like, "What do you think about this?" You know, and you know, he's just like, "Please work on your book. Please start writing." <laughs> so, this specific book, I just knew it was a story I was going to write. And last November, I sat down and I started just hashing this out. I was like, "All right." There is a story that's sitting in my head that I want to write. And so I got it all down on paper. I got on phone with my best friend from high school and I was like, Hey, I need all the crazy things I did in high school. Go. Yep. And I just started writing it down. Right. And I was laughing. She remembered a lot of stuff. I didn't remember. Um, we started drinking at like 15, 16 in high school back then. So, which I'm not proud of. I hope my kids never do that. And it was around January, January 3rd, specifically, I stopped drinking alcohol and alcohol was a main character in my life for a really long time. And it had been a love hate relationship. And I think that a lot of people can relate to that. So I went sober and became Mm -hmm. the best decision of my life beyond anything, like the best decision. And I started waking up every day at 5 a.m. to write this book. Yeah. Um, I invested my entire brain into this book, but at the same time, I was still making two reels a day. Yeah. Um, and I wrote this book by March. So I had this first draft, got it to an agent that I met through a friend. The agent fell in love. You know, he was like, I love this. Yeah. I want to sign you. And I was like, wow, this is a dream come true. This is exactly what I wanted. He signed me. We've sold the book by July to Harper. And now we're in editing. It was, it's a year. It it was an insane year. Like it's, it's that story that was just pent up in my brain. So yeah. So my word for this year is to rebel. Okay. So like rebel in it, you got here, you worked your little tushy off. Yeah. And you not, am I stopping? No, I'm not stopping, but I'm enjoying it. I'm not rushing to get to the next phase. Right. I'm really, really loving this wake up in the morning, work with my editor, like have an agent signed. I got a manager. So that's been exciting. Like really just enjoying this journey before, you know, cause it's yeah. only going to get busier. Yeah. Right? right now I still get to be at home and like do all these fun things and meet all the, you know, virtually meet all these cool people like yourself. Yeah. And um, it's going to change. There's going to be travel and all kinds of stuff. So right now I'm just like really just reveling in it. That's what yeah. I'm doing this year. Yeah. I, I read something you wrote regarding sort of, you know, losing yourself into the label, right? You know, super well written, and and you've put yourself out there as as everyone's cool mom friend. 
So the question is, is that like as an author, as a comedian, as a creator, um, as a storyteller, as a mom, uh, as a wife, are all of these labels, as you say, like they're just chapters in the journey? You know, do you have to in some ways kind of like let go of some of the labels in order to take new labels on? I don't think you have to let go of them per se, but that you do dim some labels when others are brighter. Um, There was a point in my life where wife was my brightest label. Yeah. Daughter was my brightest label. And right now, you know, writing is my brightest label um, and motherhood. You know, my wife label is probably a little bit dim, like the dishes, you know, all the wifely duties. I don't even know what those are anymore. (laughs) And those those dishes, they easily could be dadly duties, too. They are right now. (laughs) You know, it was a it was a shift, um, especially as, you know, Mama Jotes grew into like its own business and this whole like world um it was this huge shift of like okay whoa this has become this like we just gotta pitch in the most we can like kind of vibe this isn't like a i'm not really i started this journey as a stay-at-home mom yeah who tutored and i'm now a full-time content creator who's sharing stay-at-home duties with her husband well look uh (laughs) you're reveling you're dimming and brightening and we love it and thank you so much for for joining us. This was a real oh, treat. Thank I hope you. you'll come. This is awesome. Great. I, I I hope you'll come back and join us again. We will. I will. We. We. Huh? Okay. <laughs> all the people in my head. <laughs> We're all good. Jyoti, thank you so much. Please check out Mama Jotes on Instagram. And everyone, please run, don't walk, to check out the Oscar-nominated short film, The Queen of Basketball, amplifying the story of the late Lucia Harris, a legendary Hall of Fame athlete who's still the only woman drafted into the NBA. Till next time, I'm Abhay Darnika. Hi, this is Suraj Kundakuri from Brown People We Know, and you can check out ruckusavenueradio.com for more information and for the latest on station programming and more.